0: For the love of home.
1: And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It.
0: I'm Ira Madison III. And I'm Louis Fertel. And the bravest thing I do every year is host this show the day after Memorial Day weekend where I am goblin-eyed and endorphin-free and still putting on the happy face for the keep of tears.
1: <laughs> the keep of tears. <laughs> it's like Planet Tears. I don't know how I feel about that.
0: It's about a. <laughs> it, it's a six. I think we could improve mm. it, but I have
1: to do mm. it not this week or this Tuesday. I, I like. I think something like the like the keep agains, mm. like the backyard agains. I don't know. Anyway, I did not go away for Memorial Day this weekend because I need to, I need to rest.
0: That's exactly what I didn't do. And let me tell you something. A weekend like this, you should be catching up on sleep, particularly if you're like ice coffee monster like I am, and I just have not learned how to get nine hours of sleep. I feel like I was in that movie After Hours with Griffin Dunn running around the streets of New York avoiding Terry <laughs> Garr and Catherine O'Hara.
1: <laughs> and normally we would say Aida Ospoon is joining us, but she had an emergency this week and is not in this episode. We wish her well. Uh, and I will eventually get to this ransom note that is on my desk that says we have Aida. I just want to let you know that this show is like recorded on a strict schedule, so we can't just like record it later. No. Just want to let you all know, we've got places to go, things to do. Mostly Lewis has to go to work.
0: Yeah. And then I have to rewatch Mare of Easttown, which we'll get into.
1: Mm. 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 Yes, yes, we're we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Mayor, mm-hmm. which I finally joined. I finally joined the the hype because I watched it all in one day.
0: I saw your Instagram stories. You clearly were enthralled, as it appeared you were on maybe club <laughs> drugs while you were watching. You were so
1: enthralled. <laughs> that's how I spent my Memorial Day weekend, <laughs> uh, <laughs> getting high and losing custody of my kids.
0: Yeah, that's right. It is somewhat miraculous that a show about a cop could be this engrossing. Like, should we have a collective national reckoning over this being so good?
1: I don't know. Also, it's Pride. So we got to talk about that. And there are still limited versions of it that we're going to
0: get. Because I don't think we get a normal L.A. Pride parade this year. And as you know, my unicorn bedazzled shorts need to go somewhere. So I'll maybe just have to wear it to a friend's wedding or something.
1: As long as I don't have to see them.
0: (laughs) You like Pride, it just has... Not in your backyard. You're a nimby when it comes to Pride.
1: Get the float off my street. I don't want to see that.
0: I don't want to see that. Oh, (laughs) God, do I miss that Tyra Banks meme. Guys, if you're unfamiliar with the Tyra Banks meme of her old talk show where... Someone clipped her saying, get the fag off the TV, I don't want to see that. The context was she was interviewing someone from the Westboro Baptist Church and mocking how they are not accepting of queer people on TV and stuff. But we took it, and now it's just Tyra Banks saying, get the fag off the TV, I don't want to see that, which unfortunately is funny.
1: Well, you'd have to be a new listener not to be familiar with that. True, Because there was was a whole six months where that's all I said.
0: It's just fun to say. Literally say it one time, you will want to say it 30,000 times.
1: I think the more underrated part of the clip is like later where uh, someone from the Westboro Church calls Tyra a fag enabler. <laughs> and Tyra's like, you're right, I'm a fag enabler. And then the audience starts clapping enthusiastically. <laughs>
0: you did it, girl. That show, I mean, High Crimes, every day on that show, the things she would pull
1: off. If you all think Meghan McCain's hair is doing shows and stunts on daytime TV, look back to the Tyra show. She was doing a lot.
0: Yeah, 2008, when she's interviewing gay for pay porn <laughs> actors and saying, How do you do this? Like an investigative journalist. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, it is Pride Month, and we're going to discuss what belongs in Pride and what doesn't belong in Pride. And you'll be very shocked to discover where we fall on the side of things. Or maybe you won't. I don't know. This is episode, like, 182. (laughs) I think they know. I think they know (laughs) what our opinions are at this point.
0: We're hard-centrists, and we want you all to follow us
1: on our journey. (laughs) Also, I interview the iconic ts madison today
0: oh i was so sorry not to be there that it sounds iconic i cannot wait to listen to it
1: we go there like no Kifa interview has quite ever gone there before so except the one with don lemon that went there too <laughs> in a i'm sure they're way. similar in a different yeah. way in a different <laughs> way uh <laughs> Whew, all right when we're back we're gonna start our show Were you all surprised to find out that it was I who killed Aaron McMenamin on Mayor of East Town? You
0: led my suspect list, and I'll tell you why. They said it took place in a park at night, and I was like, oh, that's my friend Ira. I know.
1: (laughs) No question. So you have been watching Mayor of East Town week to week, Lewis.
0: Yes, which has been both rewarding and incredibly painful, since I'm so used to Mm -hmm. Queens gambiting everything and just picking a Saturday to... Huff an entire television series as opposed to think about the languor of Mare's life weeks on end, wondering if she will ever be happy or satisfied or get over the death of her son.
1: See, I um, watched all of it in one day, Mm -hmm. which was its own kind of rewarding experience. But I will also say that I did miss, I guess, the talking about it week to week, sort of like people were doing with the undoing. Mm -hmm. But I still got my fill of mayor conversation on Memorial Day weekend. You know, like a, a friend like had us over and made fried chicken, and uh, everyone was just chatting about the finale. So I still got my um, camaraderie and chatting about a new TV show, and I feel like I condensed it to you know, one day. Oh, good. I was at a a party with, it was smallish,
0: but there were like people I didn't know and stuff. And I was kind of dreading the entire day, like knowing I have to watch Mare today and (laughs) I'm at an uncomfortable place. Will they have it? Do they know who Mare is? Do they care that she's a hoagie eating hero that we all need? And, uh, I eventually had to go back to my hotel and watch it, but I don't know. There's something about this show was so, I, I don't know how else to put it. Like shockingly good and ingratiating in that, it, it was like a typical crime thriller, but then every moment she was on screen, she really was never contrived. It was like you were watching someone live their life, and I don't know, mm-hmm. the last show I watched where I honestly felt like I was getting 100% of a, a person's life. Like, like, I really learned their whole story. It really felt super filled in and, I don't know, comfortable to me, even though nothing in her life was good.
1: Yeah, it felt almost like a throwback to, you know... um, From Suspect Mm -hmm. or um, Luther, you know, so it felt it had a sort of BBC quality about it where Mare was very realistic. And I will also say the benefit of this series, you know, especially as opposed to a lot of the other HBO miniseries mysteries we've been getting. Like I mentioned The Undoing before, every character in this at least felt well drawn and like they contributed to the story that was, you know, we were watching unfold. As opposed to like a, the Undoing, where I felt like everyone was a red herring. Right. I was like, why are you in this, except to be a red herring? Whereas I feel like I actually cared about most of the characters in this series.
0: Yeah, I question whether or not we needed to know the college radio station drama of Mare's lesbian daughter, but (laughs) at the same time, you do need things to throw you off the scent a little bit from what's happening, and because the way the mystery is set up, your brain wants to go in 50,000 different directions and and suspect everybody, Mm -hmm. and so you sort of need one or two red herrings. That said, it is pretty wild to me that Guy Pierce ended up being not a part of the main mystery, just a dependable and nice author. Mm-hmm. As as the rumor goes, Kate Winslet asked him to do the role last minute. They obviously were in Mildred Pierce together uh, a few years ago. Wonderful miniseries if you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a. Uh, rad to see Todd D. Haynes yes quite who's by the way Todd Haynes some of my favorite movies and some of my least favorite movies I don't know any director who has gone that hard and back like Carol is in my top tier and I'm not there if anybody brings it up I become homicidal (laughs) you don't like I'm not there like what like it was like Bob Dylan is very complicated not
1: really to be fair I have not seen it okay well it's nothing but I've heard so much to the opposite of that. So now I have to watch it to see if you're right. I thought it was like pretentious. I mean, she does.
0: Kate does a great job, but that's just a segment of the movie. You know, it's like a yeah. his life is broken up into vignettes. And Julianne Moore does a very strange and I will say somewhat mean portrayal of Joan Baez that still lingers. Maybe this is about my Joan Baez standing, ultimately.
1: <laughs> Maybe I'll do that and finally watch Walk the Line.
0: Okay, Walk the Line. I only saw a few years ago on a plane. The plainiest plane movie that ever um,
1: You Don't watch it anywhere else. Okay. Uh, I, I will definitely try and watch it on a plane then. The thing about this series, too, was that obviously there were two mysteries going on. There were the missing girls, and then there was the murder of Aaron. And at no point did I think that they were connected uh-huh. at all. And then episode five... Once they really dive into solving the mystery of the missing girls, it really, from that episode for me, was a bit of a mess because it was all of a sudden, it was, yeah, none of this is connected. And this was just a certain storyline going on in the background.
0: Oh, yeah, that was weird because when they saw that part, even though there was the thrilling shootout where her partner died, they they still tied up that storyline by being like, oh, somebody saw a license plate and it's this random guy who has nothing to do with the story. Like, they could have done
1: that three episodes ago. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that will always bring me back to Veronica Mars season one, which I always think is like a perfectly drawn mystery because there were two mysteries she was solving in that first season, which was Veronica's rape and also the murder of her best friend. But the suspects list for both of these things overlapped in a weird way, you know, so it was the episode where she was figuring that out you were still looking at the same people and the same storylines that you've been following all season, right? Just making this a random guy and you find a license plate and then you're hunting him down and rescuing the girls from like this cage that they're in. I was like, okay. It gives you that cop drama, but it doesn't have anything to do with what we've been watching.
0: It also seems very unlikely that cops would not have been able to find this giant batting cage tavern that where these girls were kept in. I don't know. It seemed like... <laughs> like a year had passed, that felt a little unlikely to me. But nonetheless, you mm. I mean, you really get the Kate Winslet performance you've been waiting for since, as we all know, I hate Steve Jobs, but since at least, like Revolutionary Road for me, at least in terms of, mm. or, or or Mildred Pierce, but it's it's a, a real return to form for her. And by the way, what whiplash it was to watch the making of After, where of course Kate has her, Wonderful English accent. And then her daughter, the, the lesbian with the haircut, is Australian. Mm. Again, they just have infected us. Australia, <laughs> the new COVID variant is Australian actors. They just do everything for us now. <laughs> well, anything to wash out the memory of Collateral Beauty, that Will Smith, Helen Mirren, Kate Winslet movie, that I can't believe Will Smith, Helen Mirren, and Kate Winslet did.
1: I, I am really glad for this return to form for Kate because she is one of my faves, you know? Like she, Kate Winslet is truly one of my favorite white women.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it is. There's a trustworthiness about her. Well, again, specifically in this, just the, even the way she breathes, the way she takes a moment to just look forward and appear to be thinking about the gravity of everything while also expecting the gravity of everything. She's somebody who's used to the harshness of her own life and doesn't have an egotistical reaction to it. And for some reason, that was empowering to see i
1: think Mm -hmm. but she is truly in so much wild shit like quills Mm, Quills. the divergent movies no what was she doing in the divergent movies we really (laughs) we basically
0: threw shaylene in young adult prison for a long time and made her do that for us and you didn't even like it i'm still not over that shaylene by the way was supposed to be our weird granola queen and then she ended up with aaron Rodgers, which is just like the plain ass kick
1: cereal of celebrity spouses Mm mm-hmm there's also that period she was married to Sam Mendez. Correct, yes. So uh, I, d- I don't like Revolutionary Road. No,
0: I don't, th- I don't think it's a good movie, and I've not read the book, but I hear it's an awful adaptation of the book, which is the sprawling thing. But you do get Michael Shannon scaring people, and I do believe we should have... Actors who seem like they're film noir villains stuck somewhere in the picture. Mm. And now we've moved past Christoph Waltz and Michael Shannon can just take those roles.
1: That's true. You think we we no longer have a use for Christoph Waltz?
0: Well, I'm sorry. You get two Oscars for doing that. You you get two Oscars for being Waluigi and fiddling with your mustache. (laughs) We just don't need a third version.
1: That's fair. That's fair. And
0: we put him in that movie Downsizing to punish him, I believe. (sighs) Ugh. I forgot about downtown What a crazy movie! It's like, <laughs> okay, it's going to be a movie about people who are Legos. No, wait, it's about climate change secretly. Just the rewrite palooza that movie must have been.
1: I guess. I guess at the end of the day, I'm happy with um, Mayor of Easttown, and the the mystery was fine. I guess. Yes. And they worked really overtime to get it to the end where there's, um, you know, like these two women really went through something. Right. Also,
0: yeah, you did get a dynamite performance from Julianne Nicholson, who's like the queen of un- un- unassuming performances, like somebody who's... Yeah, you fuck know- her, though. <laughs> oh, that character, yes. Well, talk yes. talk about someone who also maybe stormed the Capitol. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the grit there, I don't trust it. But um, yeah, uh, uh, Julianne Nicholson's so good in August, Osage County, a movie where some people are great, some people are okay, and then Benedict Cumberbatch was like, by the way, I suck sometimes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah he does do that.
0: Uh, but here's here's my question. Who do you think is going to win that miniseries acting Emmy? Is it Kate Winslet or Anya Taylor-Joy? Or actually, will uh, Underground Railroad come into play? This is secretly the most competitive category coming up. And by the way, the Emmys are only a couple months away.
1: That's true. Uh, You know, I have to get into Underground Railroad. So Mm. uh, I'm just finally diving into all the shows that I missed while I was out of LA. Mm. So Mm. I figured Mayor had to happen first because it was ending.
0: Right. If you had to pick between Kate or Anya, who gives the superior performance?
1: Mm. I don't know. You know, I got to think about that one. I think that Anya was so compelling in that role, and she was the main reason why we love the Queen's gambit because she but I also thought it was fun and thrilling. Mm-hmm. I ultimately enjoyed the Queen's gambit more than I did Mayor of Easttown.
0: Oh, interesting. I definitely like Mayor of Easttown more, but like it's sort of comparing a star making performance in Anya to a veteran performance. and mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the zodiac, you know, you where you fall on that tells me everything about you. I will go veteran. I want the venerable. People to win it. I'm going to vote for Francis McDormand in Nomadland. That's how I roll.
1: Mm -hmm. You know what else I did over Memorial Day weekend? I got very stoned with Rice and watched Cruella.
0: I got unstoned and watched Cruella, which was a mistake.
1: (laughs) Also a tour de force performance, right? Interesting question. (laughs) I like this movie. I liked it. Because I want to say that when we are in an era where disney is just wants to like remake their animated films but basically like remake them in the way of like beauty and the beast or like the lion king where you're essentially watching the same fucking movie only it's with cgi now mm-hmm. how wild that they were like you know what you can do whatever the fuck you want for cruella and also that i didn't re- halfway through it i was like who the fuck directed this and then it's uh Craig Gillespie, who did I, Tanya. So strange. Though I guess
0: he's into gritty, twisted retellings of stories you thought you knew. So, all right.
1: <laughs> That's fair. But I will say, I did not like I, Tanya. Me neither. Also didn't love Lars and the Real Girl, which he also did. Uh, you know? So, I think that this is... I think he's found his um, footing, I, I thought the movie was fun, and honestly, I can imagine why you do this. Because, like I said, you know, if Disney is gonna like let you do like whatever the fuck you want in like a Correlo movie like this, I can see why Emma read this and was like, "Oh, okay, this isn't like just redoing 101 Dalmatians, like correct scene by scene, you know?" No,
0: and, and like there are, I think, perks to this version. Like they get into swinging London. It's obviously very style heavy. Uh, the outfits are fun to look at. It's a super technicolor adventure. I will say, though, Emma Stone is Cruella DeVille. I'm not saying she doesn't have the star appeal, and she's super talented. O- over the past five years, I have loved every Emma Stone performance. I want to reiterate, speaking of Julianne Nicholson, Battle
1: Up. Except of, for Easy A.
0: Well, that's 10 years old, and we can talk... Again, I think it's a Nickelodeon movie, just not that good. We've
1: already talked about that on this okay, show. Okay, moving and along. And we know that you're on the wrong side of history. Okay,
0: well, I'm going to stay there, so... Um, But uh, Battle of the Sexes, where she played Billie Jean King, fabulous, and she's also great and, of course, uh, the favorite. Here, though, Cruella de Vil, as I remember her, from the original movie, The 101 Dalmatians, where she's voiced by Betty Lou Gerson, that is a a role for a real, and this is basically an old-fashioned word now, character. Mm -hmm. Somebody who is just like... Off the beaten path in terms of humanity, like, you know, she has that glamorous emphysema voice. And Emma Stone is very just in the shape of Margot Robbie, giving you all-American appeal. And the kind mm-hmm. of performance that we where we say about it, she's having fun. Mm-hmm. Now, fine, great. I still think you could have cast somebody far stranger to give a more satisfying performance
1: for me. Mm-hmm. If she weren't the lead you know, in the film when they're trying to draw in audiences with, you know, a Hollywood actress that we're familiar with. Mm -hmm. I think that it would have been sort of a weirder Cruella. Yeah, right, right. Emma
0: Thompson uh, as the main villain who's not Cruella, good, austere, she could have done it in her sleep. I just, I already knew she could give this performance. She's somewhat fabulous, but at the same time, it always feels like roles like this, Pale in comparison to the Devil Wears Prada, which is what you're always going to compare them to.
1: I mean, this because the movie was also giving you Devil Wears Prada, mm-hmm. but also giving you a bit of oceans. There's a lot going on in this movie. I do want to say that I had a lot of fun. I do have some questions uh-huh. for Cruella. Is anyone else doing fashion in this world? Right. she's the- Because it is, constantly, <laughs> it is constantly Cruella up against this bitch. When they think Cruella's dead for a point of the movie, they're like, Corella, most known for upstaging the Baroness's fashion. I'm like, okay, who else is doing fashion? Yeah, right. At all. If they're setting up this world where they're competing against one another for the best of looks, but there seems to be no of fashion industry at large.
0: Right. Yeah, they're the only two players, even though swinging London is in full swing and clearly the idea of Twiggy exists, et cetera. Yeah. By the way, can we talk about
1: how many fucking songs they played in this movie? Okay, that was my second thing I was going to say. The person who picked the music for this film, that's a person who did their job in their sleep because I was watching this film and thinking about the fact that years from now, someone is going to watch a film with like, like I'll watch a film with like my kid or something in like a few years. The song One Way or Another by Blondie will be in that film to signify like mischief. Yeah. <laughs> but years from now, like people watching that, they'll have no frame of reference for listening to Blondie. They'll just know that they've heard it in like kids movies growing up. This movie was such a cut and paste music cues that we heard in like Disney Channel original movies in the 90s
0: yeah well also as the movie starts it starts in the 60s and moves towards 70s and 80s and stuff but like here's just an entire Rolling Stones song here is an entire Nina Simone song it's like the soundtrack is now that's what I call 1966 yes and then the zombies yeah well by the way this is I've talked about this before Blondie is now this thing that you just hear in detergent commercials it has nothing to do with punk Mm -hmm.
1: you know yeah it's truly just a cut and paste of like the most popular songs from that era. So, And
0: I'm sure they were so expensive. The movie feels expensive, but that's sort of yeah. an icky feeling in a way, too, if you're not going to use yeah. the expensive stuff in an inspired way.
1: Yeah, so shout out to the person who did the music for Cruella. Shout out to Scamming. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to yeah, somebody's iPod. I can't, imagine, iPod, you, I can't yeah. imagine you did that job more than uh can't imagine it took you more than an hour on a Saturday afternoon. Right. right. To pick the music for this uh film. But I will say that the score was done by Nicholas Britell, which was insane. Yeah, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay girl, get your Disney money. I love Nicholas Britell. Obviously he's done um, Succession and uh, he did Battle of the Sexes and he did the big short, you know. So like he always works with Barry Jenkins as well. He's worked with um him on The Underground Railroad, which I'm excited to see. I've already listened to the score. But the wildest thing that Nicholas Britell does in this film is the theme which is done with Florence and the Machine. Oh. And I have never heard, like, I heard it. I was like, is this Florence? Wow. And
0: also, she's somebody who, like, disappears and comes back, and I I forget to keep track of Florence. Yeah. Uh, one shout-out to something this movie does. They give a shout-out to the woman who inspired the original voiceover of Cruella Deville, who is the actress Tallulah Bankhead from mm-hmm. uh, the 40s, who is basically, like, if you don't know her, she was a stage actress, and she's in movies like Lifeboat, uh, the Hitchcock movie, which they show a clip of in this film and she lets out her signature smoky cackle which is what inspired Betty Lou Gerson who did the original VO and now is inspiring Estella as the character's name into creating the Cruella alter ego which has the signature laugh and stuff.
1: So that was cool to see. I was too high at the beginning of the movie to know why she was calling herself Estella slash Cruella. I was like, okay, girl.
0: Right. I guess. There are layers <laughs> to who, why she's Cruella and when she's Cruella. Yeah. But like if you're stoned, you can just gloss over that part and you won't care.
1: Yeah. So it was a good, enjoyable time. All right. It's pure, innocent fun. A little long. <laughs> Very, very long, very, 30 minutes longer than it needed to be. And one of the bad guys is Paul Michael
0: Hauser, who I do have to say is a flawless actor, even in things I don't like, like Richard Jewell. Mm. And I,
1: Tanya. That's right. I agree, because I definitely think that he was the one who should have gotten the Oscar nomination from Richard Jewell.
0: Oh, yeah. And we gave it to Kathy Bates because I guess we were bored. We were like, why not give Kathy Bates something? <laughs> There's no explanation. I'm
1: sorry it happened. Uh, can't tell me a single Oscar voter watched that movie. No. Yeah. At all. <laughs> All right. When we're back, I sit down with the icon, T.S. Madison. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand... T.S. Madison, yes, I am so excited to have you on. Keep it. Uh, you are an icon, truly. You're and one of my faves. Oh my so god! It is truly an honor to be talking to you today.
2: Listen, every time somebody says that the T.S. Madison is an icon, I'm like, girl, I ain't do nothing but say New Weed 22 inches. But then I was like, I did do more than that. <laughs> <laughs> But speaking
1: of that, that's what I want to take it back to. Because I'm like, I want to know how you feel now that, you know, you have the T.S. Madison experience, you have all these other things going on. But I remember, you know, the first time I saw a viral video with you and it was the step your pussy up, get a job, bitch, suck a dick. And I was like, who is this? And that was the moment. And now to have, you know, I feel like – your memes and everything are shared all the time now. It's like the world just caught up.
2: Well, the world is catching up, honey. You know, so the world is always late when there's an iconic, you know, trend setting bitch that's out there. Like, how how long did it take the world to catch up to Missy Elliott? Like, Missy Elliott was a grand girl, mm-hmm. and then like something caught on, and then all of a sudden, it's like, <gasps> and it's it's like, girl, I've been doing this. This ain't nothing new to me. This is new to you. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I never thought that I would be as important uh, to an entire community as they say that I am to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that I came in this business to make money. Mm -hmm. um, And in the midst of me making money, I've had some funny moments. But in the midst of me having those funny moments, I have had the ability to use all of my funny moments and all of my funny things that I say, and, and make an impact with a statement and make something happen. Mm-hmm. For me, that's when the whole uh, turn my aesthetic around. Cause you know, you don't use y'all used to see me with no clothes on running. time, you know, the hey, <laughs> I just knew that when I saw kids latching on to a lot of stuff that I was doing and saying that it was very important that I understood my impact in the world and so i just mm. I, I started to maneuver in a different way
1: and let's talk about that maneuvering you know because it's, i mean your story is so amazing you know starting as a um, sex worker and mm-hmm. then being able to move into doing just comedic videos and things what was the first moment um sort of like thing that you saw on the internet that made you feel like you know what? i can do that i can be funny i can make people like come to my page and get clicks
2: when I went on Vine, you know, I've always been a girl that said what I wanted to say mm-hmm. when I wanted to say it. Well, what I was talking about was people going to be paying it any attention. I don't know. Um, I, I know that I started out on YouTube, like vlogging about my sex capades, doing like self interviews, you know, talking about like, you know, my day at work and, mm-hmm. and the trade and, you know, how large the, the trades member was, whatever. And I knew how to make it funny because mm-hmm. if you said that, you're talking about sex. Mm-hmm. Sex is, can be boring. Mm. But if you talk about sex in a way where people are really interested in hearing you talk about it, because I used to sit up and, and just have conversations like, girl, the trade came over here, girl, and pulled your mama's panties down, girl, and started licking her cakes and baby. <laughs> I don't know what it was. He probably licked it too deep and I pulled it. You know, something like that. <laughs> and like, you see how you laugh? Like, so people started laughing and mm-hmm. you know they were interested in my conversation, so I would just do this every day. Like I would get off of work and then come talk about the video today. But it was, but but it was my scheme to sell a product. Like I was trying to, uh, you know, revert everybody to go go over here to the website and buy. Like, girl, this is what happened with you know. And so I started doing that. But what really made me step my pussy up was there's a girl online that really got me started into really wanting to like really talk about stuff outside of sex. And it was Diamond Styles. I don't know if you're familiar. Mm. I love Diamond Styles. Like I would see Diamond Styles uh, do interviews with uh, girls. Like she would do, like she would interview a lot of trans women and like bringing light to a lot of trans people that I didn't know. So I was like, who is this girl? And mm-hmm. and she did a story in particular that has something to do with me. So one day I'm on the YouTube channel. Just on the YouTube, <laughs> and I see her interviewing a girl talking about a story that has something to do with me. I was like, like <laughs> I'm tuned in. Like, <laughs>
1: that's better than a Google alert.
2: I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, this bitch not sitting over here talking about me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, uh-uh, uh, let me and and let me tell you, this is how I birthed. Is it on? I was like, girl, how you how you even go live? I didn't know how to go live from YouTube. Mm-hmm. I just just know how to self record and then upload it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I was like, oh, you can go. I was like. Is it on? Is it on? Is this bitch recorded? Because I was mad. Mm -hmm. I was angry. Like, why are you on here? Why is this you interviewing this bitch and she's on here talking shit about me? I'm finna cuss this whole out. That's how that, that's how the is it on started. Mm -hmm. How
1: much time do you feel you have to devote to like learning? the new technology, what the girls are doing? Because you've gone from YouTube to Vine to, to TikTok, everything.
2: YouTube, Vine, Facebook. it's The stuff is easy. Now, some of that stuff, I'll be like, let me look at it. I don't like TikTok. Mm. I'm viral on TikTok right now and like it's one of my fan pages that's viral. Mm-hmm. It's always going viral with stuff on the TikTok. And they're like, Master, please come over here. To TikTok. I'm like, I ain't got time to be trying to learn how to do no... <laughs> she want to make it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, I tried to learn... I tried to learn a dance or two during quarantine, and I was like, let me sit my ass down.
2: Well, it's like I'm busy. I ain't got time to be like, she make it clap, clap, clap. Now I can go over there and do it. Like, it's no tea, no shade. It's like, I don't, like, I'm really not interested in it. And I love, and listen, I've, I've found some very funny things on TikTok. So if you're a TikToker, mm-hmm. don't try to bust my windows out in my car, bitch. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I ain't really like big the TikTok. Now Vine was a different story. I miss Vine. Vine made me a superstar but it also got me a lot of trouble, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so now listen, all right. So I'm I, I'm on Vine and I'm looking at everybody do Vine videos. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, they're funny. Like I seen those 6 second funny videos and I said, "Okay, well let me use Vine to you know, I was always about promoting my website. Mm-hmm. So before I even put the first new thing uh, that I looked to see, was there anybody doing new stuff on Vine? Was it any new? Mm-hmm. So I clicked the hashtag. And when I clicked that vine after dark and I said, let me click this hashtag. So I clicked the hashtag. <gasps> it's like, oh, everybody's naked here
1: yeah i forgot about vine after dark
2: i said everybody <laughs> everybody's naked even the ones that are doing the, the funny but they're naked everybody's naked i said oh shit well let me get in this section <laughs> but well god it wasn't god's will for me just to be in that section honey god was like listen no d- you finna do all of this mm-hmm and, honey, that's with a new witch, new witch, witch, witches. <laughs> and I told this story on Laverne Cox's podcast because it's, it's all true. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy on there. God, what is his name? I can't remember his name. It'll come to me. He he knows who he is. Like If he ever stumbles across any of my interviews, he'll hear me talk about how he was trying to let me have it. Mm-hmm. He was like, how does this fat woman have a dick? Mm. She has a penis, everybody. And he would share my... Stuff to the straight world, and it would just go ballistic because you know, honey, I have my faces. Look, you don't see this? This is a fish. This is, and I'm a plus size girl, so Mm -hmm. of course it it looked like they were like, "Wait a minute, this is how does this woman have a?" So he he attributed to me going viral, Mm -hmm. and anytime that you've seen a clip of me going viral. Mm Or whatever, it's always been from a read. That's how the is it on. Like I was telling you earlier, that's how mm-hmm. that be yourself, bitch. Step your pussy up, honey. Get a job. Mm-hmm. I want a bitch. That came from me reading somebody. <laughs> yeah. I got on the Vine, and somebody was trying to, you know, because I was so popular, they were trying to, um, like, steal the Vines, upload them like they were me, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoever this is out there that's trying to catfish me, child, why don't you be yourself? <laughs> yeah. Stop your pussy up, honey. Get a job. I want a business, bitch. Suck a dick. I had no idea that was going to be my forever mantra.
1: Okay, this is VH1 behind the Vine. I love this. Uh,
2: listen, <laughs> I have... Copywritten that, and I have trademarked it. Like that is my mantra. Like that is mm-hmm. that is mine. You know, and we still say it. I still we say, still it, say it. You saw me on Drag Race. RuPaul mm-hmm. came out and was like, "The illustrious T. S. Madison. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Get a job. Suck a dick. Like it was the. Fifth- when this, the hero say that, like, live on VH1, I was just like, yeah, mm-hmm. you bitches ain't fucking with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I want to ask you, too. You were talking about how, you know, you had to, like, switch up the game a bit when you realized that, you know, like, younger people were viewing your stuff. And, you know, <laughs> you also had, um, you know, Diamond sort of, like, introduce you to, you know, sort of, like, some of the other girls that you didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, What would you say was, were, like, the practical things that you did to sort of, like... Educate yourself to get yourself to the point where I feel like you speak so eloquently on trans issues, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's like, obviously, you had to learn all of that yourself to be able to educate Mm -hmm. us, you know, Uh, and how was that process?
2: I've learned how to articulate things by uh, having conversations with other girls Mm -hmm. watching you know, other girls watching Laverne and watching Janet Mock and my girlfriend Hope Giselle keeps me up on day. But it's also me saying, Oh, and applying it, you know, to myself and saying, Okay, this is what this meant. Mm-hmm. I-, I felt this way for so long. So this is the explanation for that. All right, okay, I get it. So now that I've learned, I have a large audience. Let me tell the other people, mm-hmm. "Hey guys, you know." And I don't necessarily agree with everything Vern says mm-hmm. about, you know, her, you know, about trans identity and, and what what uh, Janet says about trans identity. However, I understand it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Oh, okay." So we gonna I'm gonna make sure these people make sure they saying the right shit too, like Tiffany New York Pollard. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. You you had a conversation um with with New York, who you are friends with um mm-hmm. about um. Her coming under fire recently for comments mm-hmm. people said were transphobic. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that conversation go?
2: Um, well, I told her, I said, "Sister, you know," and I and she w- we love each other like crazy, mm-hmm. and I know that she is one woman that does not have any ill intentions towards trans women. Mm-hmm. But she's yeah. also she's also from a time before teaching. Mm-hmm. We're just now getting in the time where girls are really teaching or, or have the platforms to teach that. Hey, cut that shit out, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, sister, you got to realize that, you know, times have changed from flavor of love, girl. Mm-hmm. Like when you start calling a woman a man and, and things like that, that is those are that's transphobic. Mm-hmm. And people are now really understanding and getting a grip how dangerous transphobia is. Mm-hmm. And and there are cis women who have been victims of transphobia.
1: Yeah. I mean, every f- the first two seasons of... Um you know, rewatching Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, right? It's like every insult hurl- hurled at Jocelyn is, you look like a man. And like watching that, it's like, you see how that contributes to transphobia. Yeah. actual trans women.
2: And it's Yeah, and it's just like, because she's a woman and you know, the, the way that they're, they're spewing this at her, you, I told her, I said, New York, you spew this in a violent way. Now, I told her, and I'm not going to lie, God forgive me, but the shit was funny. <laughs> but I scolded her. I said, girl, when you said sweaty balls, sweaty dick and stuff, and, and you know, cold, I was like, oh, New York, you cannot do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Not now. You could have you could, you got away with that 20 years ago. No, you can't do that to trans women. You can't do that to women, period. Like, no. Mm-hmm. And she, she, she was trying to get it. And then she really got it. Cause another trans woman came in and broke it down for her. Cause I was, I, she's my sister. So I wasn't mm-hmm. really harsh on her. Like, Oh bitch, you're going to, cause I know that she didn't, there was no malicious intent behind what she was doing. She just only was doing what she know. And she said to me, mm-hmm. Madison, I am, I've been called a man. Mm-hmm. Said, I'm always called a man. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you have been a victim of transphobia mm-hmm. and because you're famous and people know who you are mm-hmm. put yourself in the shoes of a woman who doesn't who nobody knows and they're calling her a man mm-hmm. she, there could be a brick could come outside her head right after that mm-hmm. and she's she's a cis woman and there could be a brick that comes out of the distance mm-hmm. into your head because someone wants to attack you for thinking that you are trying to deceive them.
1: Mm-hmm. i do have a very pressing question for you too come on uh, because uh well two, two pressing questions actually because we're, we're sort of on the same wavelength pop culture wise mm-hmm. i realize and so before you go i won we got to talk about beam me up scotty finally dropping what is what track are you listening to constantly i'm in it with fractions
2: i love fractions i think fractions is the one um, I know Nikki likes. Um, oh God, my, my, my queen's gonna choke me. <laughs> <laughs> I know she likes uh, seeing green. Mm-hmm. I like Nikki by herself.
1: Same. Listen, I like Nikki in photos by herself. <laughs> and I and I and I and I am all the way Barb. Okay. <laughs> But we all feel the same. We love her truly.
2: I, the, the bars are so shady. Do you see when the you see when the girls go and cut and cut him out of? <laughs> but I feel like that not
1: just about Nicki. I feel like that about all the pop girls, the stars. It's like
2: I don't need to see your man on the carpet with you. I'm, I want to see you. Yeah, you know that's your man. That's not our man. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we've accepted him. Like, like, listen, I will say that when I went to Queen Radio. They were very nice to me. And I remember she corrected a
1: um, mm-hmm. co host who misgendered you.
2: Yes, ma'am. She's like, oh, mm. I don't do that. Like, she don't play yeah. that shit. But Zoo was nice.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All the men there were nice.
1: Like, they, they What's were. What's the atmosphere like? I just want to know, like, Queen Radio. It's, <laughs> I remember when that first dropped niggas. and all of us kept talking about, like, niggas. Just niggas. Of course. Of course. <laughs>
2: To freedom. <laughs> like niggas I was like, bro, all of these men in here, yes. You know? But it was just like a bunch of men, like it was a bunch of white niggas, a bunch of black niggas. Mm. You know, it was just like niggas. Okay. Like it was like street niggas. You know, she's a hood ass bitch. And I I really mm. I love her for being hood as she is. Mm-hmm. And Bringing my transsexual ass up there, mm-hmm. who don't give a fuck, who talks about whatever she wants to talk right. about, who's very vocal. I mean, she brought, she came up there. I came up there. It was I smelled weed, like they somebody had been smoking. Mm-hmm. But you know, of course, I look like fish. Always. Oh my god, I love Nikki. I do. Mm-hmm. We had such a really good time on Queen Radio. Joe Button, mm-hmm. Joe Button yeah. was there. Like he came in with a gang. Mm. It was like a troop of niggas. Damn. A whole magic school bus. A whole magic school full of uh, men. So I was like, damn. You know, it was. It was like that. Like I didn't. I didn't feel uncomfortable or anything. You know. Mm-hmm. I love but that. I still want to see her. I want to see her. I love her. I like mm-hmm. when she's when she's rapping, you know, by herself. Mm-hmm. Bitch, I love Chun, Chun Lee.
1: Yes, and listen, like the way that people are discovering, like even like Roman's Revenge, like Pink Friday, like the production on that shit was next level. People are discovering it now via TikTok and stuff again. I'm like, I'm her time is here.
2: Yeah, it is. It's just I love my baby, and I always mm-hmm. like any time that I have a moment. Like, that, that I have a moment to, like, really talk to her. I tell her things that I want for her. I told her, mm-hmm. I said, Queen, I want you to have a shoe line. And I want your mm-hmm. shoes to be high-end shoes. And I want mm-hmm. your shoes to be, I want you to have pink bottoms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take off the Giuseppes. Put on the Nicky. I want you to have the pink bottoms. I want you, to, you and Christian Louboutin to do some kind of where he does a line of pink bottom shoes for you. I told her this. Yeah. I wrote her so many things that I want her to do. And she always hearts me and kisses and stuff. But I'm like, Queen, this is what I want. For, I want this stuff from you because, like, girl, you came in, you held a decade of rap down when there was nobody rapping. Mm-hmm. And, like, you reconstructed this stuff. Like, you're the reason why girls are are able to monetize off of their streaming and, and get grant. Mm-hmm. And what's so shady is that you came in and you, re- you reconstructed an entire era of music and mm-hmm. now girls are getting Grammys off of shit that streamed online and they snubbing you. Not just did that, but also like gave such a
1: generation of like queer black people too feeling like they had a space and like be being able to like rap hard. I'm not personally from the streets, but you know, there's like... There's this gay street niggas who are like listening to Pink Friday and they're like, okay, this is for me. Yes. Last question before I let you go. I'm
2: leaving already.
1: I know. These these are quick. These are quick, baby. All right. Um, but you know what? I'm gonna DM you because we gotta talk more. I love you. You are an icon. But this is the most important question I'm gonna ask you. I caught you on Instagram live with Andy Cohen asking him about Portia. From Real Housewives of Atlanta and her new man Simon, and you were like trying to get the tea from him, and he was like playing coy. And I know you said we'll talk offline. Have y'all chatted yet?
2: We have not really chatted yet, but I've been chatting with with uh, with the
1: circle. Okay, we need to get you when when not Zoom shit, when Watch What Happens Live is back in person. You need to be on Watch What Happens Live.
2: First of all, do you not see how I live out here in Atlanta? I am definitely eligible to be a housewife of Atlanta.
1: Yes. Okay, we need a trans one because because last season, the last season, the girls weren't doing it.
2: Well, they wasn't, you know, and I think it's because it was COVID. It was COVID.
1: How would you reshake the shit? How would you reshake it if you were a friend of?
2: First of all, I'm coming on there. The girls are gonna feel some type of way anyway by me walking <laughs> up in there saying, "Hey, ladies, I am a housewife of Atlanta. Yes, W I F E. Yeah. W I F E. I am a housewife of Atlanta. My husband does this to the other. Y'all, y'all may not ever see my husband, but guess what? My husband got it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going out to eat dinner with you girls and let you girls. And I'm going to, I mean, you know, I I live a luxurious lifestyle on a budget. I'll probably be the only one that lives a luxurious lifestyle on a budget. But still. Mm -hmm. But no white refrigerator. No white refrigerator. Girl, we got a talking refrigerator in this house. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I will go over there and shake it up. And and listen, I know that I don't want to give. And the contingency to me doing the T.S. Madison experience on WeTV was I didn't want to be. Fighting and all this stuff, the gloves are mm-hmm. off on the Housewives of Atlanta. Mm. Okay. Okay.
1: The gloves are off, baby. So T.S. Madison experiences for the family and Real Housewives of Atlanta is for the for the girls.
2: Oh baby, I'm coming in. Listen, y'all done let me in this fish now. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> What's up?
1: Uh, Y'all
2: want to read and and, I, and listen. If you girls want to read, please leave man off the table, honey, because that's late. Because mm-hmm. baby, uh, you can call me a man all day, but I'm but yet I'm still a housewife. Boom.
1: Exactly. TS, thank you for being here. Icon, truly icon.
2: Baby, thank you for having me.
1: June, which means it's time for the annual gathering of the queers to decide if cops and the Broadway musical Kinky Boots have a place (laughs) marching in pride parades across the country. I'm sorry. I read that incorrectly. If cops and the kink community have a place marching in pride parades across the country.
0: Thank God we're navigating this again. It's incredibly pressing and I'm worried for everyone. Guys, where else do you want the kinky people to go? mcdonald's they
1: gotta go somewhere (laughs) the mcrib is a part of their community okay (laughs) listen we asked some of you to share your opinions of what belongs in pride and what doesn't and we'll get into those uh but we did not ask the opinion of anyone whether or not cops belong at pride because fuck cops
0: i mean i think it's been argued uh pretty well by roxanne gay who's gone into i mean there's just a history of Specifically harassing queer people. It's where pride person. Came from. I would argue you. You have reason not to feel fucking safe around them. Yes, <laughs> if you know the history at all. We were up against them at a famous moment uh, uh, in 1969.
1: Yeah, it's like the Boston Tea Party didn't have the British in it. <laughs> this historian. <laughs> okay, every year at the annual Boston Tea Party parade, do you see the British there? No. Also, there's a weird New
0: York Times editorial where they said, like, it wasn't long ago that people would cheer for the queer cops, maybe the loudest of everyone in the parade. I was like, is that documented? Is that for sure?
1: Yeah. Also, I guarantee they were only the hot ones. <laughs> See? <laughs> the, the, hot, the hot cis white male ones. Those are the ones that people would cheer for. And then you would look at the gays cheering for them, and you'd be like, really? Really, guys? No. <laughs> no.
0: If you're going to dress as a cop, it better be one mayor. Or to George Michael in the outside video, which is less about appreciation of cops and more uh, an appreciation of urinal
1: culture. Mm, mm, you know, I think George Michael would have a lot to say about uh, what should and shouldn't be at Pride. You know, no, oh, totally, we miss him. But this other debate uh, has taken over social media for some reason because people love to talk. Right. Yeah. It's fun to be mad. We
0: we do this podcast. We understand.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, let's just hear from a few of our listeners uh, and see what they have to say. Uh, and then we can debate this topic. One of our listeners, Fiona, says, for fuck's sake, yes, leather belongs at pride. The baby queers, who seem to be the most vocal opponents of kink at Pride in the Twitterverse, need to learn their history. Leather dykes and daddies and doms and pups and the whole leather gang have been advocating for our rights and liberations for decades. And the idea of excluding them from public Pride events is nonsensical and a slap in the face to a community that has shown up for all of us from day one. I have no interest in straight-watching queerness, and I hope we can divest from respectability politics once and for all. At its best, Pride is not about assimilation. It's not about assimilation about resistance?
0: Uh, Fiona gets it. She just rose in my Fiona ranks. uh, Above Shaw, below Apple.
1: What about uh, Fiona from Shrek? That's a homophobe. (laughs) Josie uh, wrote in, uh, and she says, as a white woman, who, I already don't know if I'm on board with this.
0: (laughs) Horror movie title, as a
1: white woman. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) as a white woman from a (laughs) 24 as a white woman who still wonders what her sexuality is and believe me i'm not trying to gay-splain but isn't this similar to what the drag queens and transgender people went through back in the day weren't they looked down upon and not invited to the parade let's face it gay pride has gone corp and is bland and fluffy as a katy perry video We don't have to attack Katy Perry. She's been through a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the idea of a palatability debate regarding what's in pride is age old and uh, so boring. And I I just want to point out also that a big part of this debate sprung up, at least as I saw it on Twitter, because a photo went around of a little girl meeting uh, a guy dressed in leather pup attire as in he has like kind of a harness on and like a dog mask and you know there's like there's some BDSM implications there or whatever but it looks to me like the girl is pretty excited to meet a man in a puppy mask and he sounds like he's being very nice to her It just seems like a harmonious situation. I don't know what anyone's upset about. When I grew up watching nearly naked women on The Price is Right every single day at 10 a.m., whether I was sick or not. So stop pretending that scantily clad people just because they're queer are somehow more nefarious than everybody else. Literally, how are people going to become educated about gay people? Is it in schools yet? If you meet a fucking queer person on the street in a pup mask, you are way ahead of the game.
1: <laughs> you are wise, as far as I'm concerned. We have one anti-person who wrote it. Oh, good. This is Juliana Ooh. Uh <laughs> she's like, she's like, she's like, enjoyed our interview so much. By the way, kink is a no. <laughs> no, uh, Juliana says, I don't think kink has a place there. I am 18 and pansexual. My older sister is also part of the LGBTQ plus community. I've been out since I was 13 and she's been out since high school. We're extremely lucky to have supportive parents who really try hard. However, neither of us were allowed to go to pride until we turned 18 partially because my mom only saw the extremes on the news and was afraid of what my young mind might see as a result of not being able to really celebrate pride month with the community. I began to struggle to find a place within the community. Maybe part of this is just my age. However, I do not think King should have a place at pride because I think we need to work harder to make it a more safe place for the, younger members of the community, the middle schoolers who are questioning and just figuring it out, the kids and siblings of people who are out and want to support them, etc. Pride should be able to be for the whole community, not just for the adult members. Juliana, I respect your journey, but um we're not shifting an entire pride parade just because your parents weren't okay with you going there before you turned 18. <laughs> that's that's truly the whole point of being gay, right? You know, like defying things that your parents are deeming not acceptable for you, and you know, I do believe that there are spaces where um, high schoolers and middle schoolers uh, should be able to learn to learn about themselves and come out. Doesn't mean that we have to take something that was uh, truly based on a riot and revolt and shift it to be doing the work that our schools should be doing.
0: Well, also, let's just think about the phrase which now feels outdated, sexual orientation, or sexuality, like, something about it should be representative of sex, you know, and it's not as if people are having sex in public. And it's not as if people are, uh, yeah, making a spectacle of the act itself. But just the idea that we inhabit sexual bodies, I think is an inherent part of pride and not harmful for kids to see, um necessarily. And by the way, what your parents find acceptable or unacceptable for you shouldn't be part of the guidelines for the community. That just feels very tip or gore in a funny old hat sort of way.
1: Also, to get into the idea of the corporatization as pride, which we've talked about before. What's what's the alternative here? You know, like you're you're going to like some very family-friendly thing that is promoted by Wells Fargo. Yeah. Chase Bank Chipotle. Like, okay, then you're not really learning anything about Bride. You're just seeing. Ugly rainbow shit and getting free burritos. What are you actually learning about yourself at this Pride parade if there's not the history of the actual community there? Correct. Correct.
0: But also, I just want to say, by the way, that every time you go to Pride, and I live in LA where I, I would assume it's quote unquote dirtier than the average small town Pride or whatever, it is so palatable. I brought my mom to Pride one year, and my mom is a pretty, shall we say, wholesome person. This is somebody who thought it was pronounced Vagina until she was 16, okay? In the Midwest, they don't teach you shit, all
1: right? <laughs> don't be calling your mom out like that. <laughs> I mean, she learned, you see. Um,
0: she came, had the time of her life, met my friends, you know, left with probably a slap bracelet with Gloria Allred's face on it, you know.
1: <laughs> That's so sweet, you know? And and for me, too, I feel like... um. Whenever people had this conversation, it's like, are you talking about Folsom? Are you talking right. about Dorian? Yeah. like mm-hmm. you're like it doesn't seem like you're talking about an actual pride parade that any of us have been to? Right.
0: No. I mean, like, let's talk about Chicago specifically. They have Pride, which invites, you know, is, is specifically family oriented and specifically open to everybody. And then Market Days, which is the more intra community, queer only, a little bit raunchier celebration. You know, there there are differences in the kinds of spectacles we have about this stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, and also, it doesn't look like any of you are really getting pride parades to be good with this year. So yeah, we don't get one here, so yeah, maybe SF's having one. I'm exhausted. Yeah, last year I was sad that we didn't have it this year. I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on the flag. <laughs> <laughs> this year, I'm gay and tired. <laughs> Imagine going to a parade. <laughs> Right now.
0: A parade is just the most hilarious thing we do. It's like, we want to do something in public, and so we've decided to stop traffic and also move slowly.
1: Move very, very slowly, because there's a lot of fucking floats.
0: Yeah. I will never get over when I was uh, at World Pride in 2019, and I had friends, uh, friends of ours were on a float for a Comedy Central show, and it took them four hours to move.
1: Yeah. So... That's what happens when you're stuck behind the Wells Fargo wagon.
0: Right, yeah, the, whatever, the the (laughs) Wienermobile's pride
1: moment. Anyway, this was an argument that I feel like, you know, was not a bad faith argument. I feel like the people who have started the conversation have done it in good faith, but um, you're completely misinterpreting what pride is about. No,
0: I mean, again don't you want to learn about kinks a little bit? Like, you're curious about other people, right? And how they live. and Because these are actual lives they're living. It's not just a show put on to scare or startle people. It's people expressing something sincere. I guess sometimes irreverent, but irreverence is also sincere. So I think this is just a moment to actually find out what people do with their time in a kind of carefree, I'll say it, cute environment. Yeah,
1: and... um. A lot of the people in the community are older, you know. And I'm sorry if you if you watched your friend die of AIDS um, and you're still here, uh, you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want at Pride. Right. <laughs> like if you were if you if you were actually marching in the streets before we had the rights that we have now, uh, you know, when um, people were still dying of AIDS and our government wasn't doing anything, um, you, you get to do whatever you want at Pride and ignore younger people telling you what they think you should be doing.
0: Ira, which queer celebrities are you most excited about at this particular moment?
1: You know, I just love that Anthony.
0: (laughs) I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) Actually, Anthony's fine. I run into his YouTube videos every once in a while and he's like nervously smiling as he tells you
1: about risotto or whatever. I'm fine with that. He's wholesome. Yeah, I think he is wholesome. Yeah, yeah. Um... Which queer celebrities am I really into?
0: You know who's really coming up right now is your friend Vincent. Mm. Who everybody I know seems to have met at some point, at least according to my Instagram feed.
1: I love Vincent. Vincent is truly the moment, uh, and it, you know, it's like gay people—you don't want to support one another mostly. You know, you you like rarely will see like gay people standing another gay person's art because uh, too much of it is um. Comparing it to yourself, you know, or, just, you know, like wanting to just sort of like stand like women, you know. But um, Vincent is great. And it's been great seeing like other gay people like um, support his music. Um, go and listen to it. It's V-I-N-C-I-N-T. Uh, his latest song, Higher, with Alex Newell is Song of the Summer.
0: It is everywhere and in a queer way. Like if I if I went mm-hmm. to a pride parade this month and didn't hear it 20 times, I would be blown away.
1: Yeah. So, um, really excited by Vincent.
0: Oh, your friend Lil Nas X, of course. My friend.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, no, there's been a lot of really interesting queer artists doing work right now. You know, Vincent, uh, another friend of mine, uh, Kaletri, uh just released a new single as well, which is great. Uh, Lucy Dacus, loving her. Kaletchi is not related to
0: Susan Kaletri Watson from This Is Us and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, is it? Because I thought she did a good job in both.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know? not 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 that. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> All right, when we're back, it's time for Keep It. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It. Keep it to those kidnappers. They got Aida again. <laughs> she really <laughs> needs to be
0: savvier. They come for her every week.
1: <laughs> it's a pinky in the brain situation. They're always out to uh, conquer the world. I am not a Liam Neeson type, so I am not going to go and save her from the kidnapper. So let's give her back.
0: I just want to say that whenever someone brings up Liam Neeson, I then take a moment to think about Natasha Richardson, which I now maybe am thinking about because of her relationship to 101
1: Dalmatians. But what a star. Oh, and we talked about her last week with Juliana Margulies. Yeah. Man, I miss that Liam Neeson. Quite. You know, before we learned that he likes to hunt black people for sports.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I completely <laughs> forgot about that story.
1: <laughs> anyway. Psychotic. I'm going to do a keep it first to get this out of the way. My keep it is to the Friends reunion. So agree. On HBO Max. You know what? You people, mostly the whites. Have been talking about friends every single fucking day since it went off the air. And we have heard about friend reunion. There have been so many fucking friend reunions over the years. Like they're constantly all getting together and posting Instagrams. They're doing commercials or things like that. It's just, I feel like we've never not been talking about friends. So to even get a friend's reunion feels weird because they're always reuniting. That's what was confusing to me because on the Friends reunion, it says they've only
0: been in the same room once since the show went off the air. And I know on Instagram, on Jennifer Aniston's Instagram, I've seen at least one picture of them all together. And also, she and Courtney are still very good friends. They know Lisa. So it's not like they've moved to six different continents or anything like that. So I found that very confusing. And also, I was so confused about what people wanted out of this. What interaction between Matt LeBlanc and Lisa Kudrow are you looking for that will really, like, tickle the funny bone? It's like you like the show, not them personally. In fact, I don't really know much personally about Matt LeBlanc or Matthew Perry.
1: And you get to see, what, Ed Sheeran and Lady Gaga, and is is this what you liked about Fred's? Yeah, it's so weird. And then the
0: addition of James Corden is asking – Questions and it's when they were like reading old scenes together. That had some novelty value, but at the same time, mm-hmm. right? It's the original scenes we thought were funny, not this weird table read situation.
1: Yeah, I am, I've just had it up to here. And actually, I do need to admit something. Okay, I'm worried. I do like Fred. <laughs> that was the point of this <laughs> to slow roll this i mean it's (laughs) funny I, i mean at least i like it i like it i like it i watched it when it aired every fucking week and i still watch reruns okay i'm sorry i love friends
0: i think two very deserved emmy wins in jennifer aniston and lisa kudrow i did want there to be a moment on this special where they all just turn to lisa and say remember when you then just turned around and gave one of the best dramatic performances ever in the comeback
1: yeah and funny and where's the justice for joey Okay, Drea De Matteo left the sopranos to do Joey.
0: I were we talking about this last week about the crazy list of guest stars on Joey? No, it just goes on and on and on. Joey was obviously supposed to be a huge hit. And I I just want to say that the the opening title, like when you said saw the word Joey
1: on the screen, I blame the shitty font. The, the font looks bad. It, it really does look bad. It makes sense that Joey would have a lot of guest stars because that was the whole thing about Friends, right? Totally. Uh, and maybe that's why the reunion was trying to give us, like, these celebs because the whole appeal of watching Friends was also like, oh, um, like, if Friends were on the air now, like, Lady Gaga would appear in an episode of Friends. Totally. Like, mm-hmm. making out with Rachel.
0: <laughs> By the way, that rendition of Smelly Cat just oversung. Did we need that from Lady Gaga?
1: No, what we need is the Chromatica remix album. Are we going to get that soon? It seems imminent. I don't know. I don't know. Where is it, Stephanie?
0: Which by the way, before we get off topic, speaking of albums we were supposed to get. Remember when Charlie Puth said last summer he was working on his quarantine album? Uh He's a liar. I don't he's see a it. Liar. In,
1: I don't hear it in my ears. So, where is it? <laughs> One thing about Charlie Puth is he's a liar. Okay. So, Lewis, what's your keep it? Okay, my keep it is
0: to this entire story and having to solve The History of Strange White Pageants. (laughs) My keep it is to Ellie Kemper and the news that in 1999, I'm reading the Twitter blurb about this, actor Ellie Kemper of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and The Office, another show I never need to hear about again, was named the Queen of Love and Beauty, creepy title, at the Veiled Prophet Ball, creepy ball, a debutante ball held in St. Louis, Missouri, which was founded by wealthy white elites in 1878 and, quote, emphasized the existing power structure, uh, according to the Atlantic. Now, there was a lot of white power. That's that's those are that's the main power structure. I think they're um, emphasizing here. <laughs> but when this story came out, one of the tweets about it was that the ball itself was thrown by a local KKK chapter. But that was misrepresentative. Like, it's not actually associated with the KKK. But it is weirdo rich white people mm. so it feels like ellie kemper was being lauded as some sort of aryan superstar when in fact it was i think mostly just a dorky pageant but nonetheless now we have this weird moment where a perfectly lovely bridesmaids actress now is the grand wizard <laughs>
1: I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that white people should stop wearing robes, okay? Like, unless unless you're going to grandmother's house, <laughs> take the hood off, bitch. Oh, my God. Being in part of something called the Veiled Prophet, it's, it seems weird. Here's the thing. If the
0: words are Veiled Prophet— you're going to be afraid looking into wiki about that. You're not going to find something
1: normal. And so the whole thing that this is revealing too is that like a lot of organizations in America that rich white people were created were also just like fronts for white supremacist organizations. Um, And no matter how much they change um, or, you know, are forced legally to um accept um non-white people in them like in the photo that of ellie kemper at this debutante ball there's black people in it you know but it doesn't mean that the, you know that the history of these groups isn't still there you know and they were created for a specific reason and it just begs the question if something is white supremacist in origin can it become non-white supremacist in practice later i'm talking about america okay <laughs>
0: It did seem like a five-paragraph <laughs> essay was emerging that you were maybe submitting for
1: AP language. Grand Wizard. I mean... I love that as an insult, um, by the way. And I the first time I heard of someone use that was... Uh, <laughs> I've read Zosha Rockmore.
0: Oh, I know uh, exactly what you're talking about. Yes. like She's an actress. Uh, yeah, and she made yeah. a joke
1: about Charlotte Rampling.
0: Uh, yes. During the time <laughs> of her press cycle for her Oscar nomination in 45 years, she had said something flippant about how that was the year where only white actors were nominated for Oscars. Maybe the, that was the last time that happened. And she said, well, maybe no black actors deserved a nomination this year, which, you know, is, shall we say, an unflattering comment.
1: Uh, (laughs) And Zosha referred to her as a grand wizard on Twitter. (laughs) Oh, my God, that was so wild. Truly underrated insult.
0: Yeah, very funny. Also, again, the title Grand Wizard, like the weird queer sounding titles of KKK, which I don't want to get into it. I'm sorry. I don't want to talk about hate groups, but.
1: Yeah, it's like you're racist and you hate black people, but also you love magic.
0: (laughs) You're confusing.
1: (laughs) Like It sounds like something you get in a Happy Meal, like a Grand Wizard. Yeah. Did you get the Grand Wizard or the Veiled Prophet?
0: Also, does Merlin strike you as like, Hetero? I don't know. Just It's such a get-up. You know what I mean? I feel like get-ups are um, queer-leaning mm-hmm.
1: at best. You know, we don't talk enough about the Merlin from The Sword in the Stone. And I would love to write um, the Cruella version of Merlin. Oh, God. Who would I like to do? Now you got me thinking.
0: Well, I want to do the Cruella version of Lord Licorice from Candyland. Mm. Um, mm. What's he doing on that board? He doesn't have his own spot, but he is twisted. Mm. And, you know, I think he has a friendship with Queen Frostine that I want to know more about. Mm. Um, I think he gets his life, if you will, uh, in the molasses swamp behind a tree. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and one last keep it um, to sports fans in general. Sure. Sure. You know, uh, whether we're talking about um, Celtics fans like who are throwing water bottles at Kyrie Irving or Celtics fans in general, which, you know, uh, who love being racist, they're the real grand wizards (laughs) (laughs) of the sports community. (laughs) Or whether it's people who have opinions on Naomi Osaka deciding to withdraw from the French Open. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, weird. People mad at her for stating that she didn't want to um, give interviews after the French Open. The French Open in particular, citing mental health issues. We tend to always care about mental health issues for athletes and artists until it actually comes time to do something for them. Right? Then when they decide to prioritize it, it's always... Actually, not now. You know and <laughs> That's annoying. And it's particularly the French Open because the French Open is the only one where it sort of like stipulates this like interview nature that, you know, surrounds the tournament. So, you know, she was going to be fined for doing it. Um, she also decides to just pull out uh, rather than being uh, ejected from it. And, you know, I, I just want to give a special shout out to the people who used to position Naomi against Serena as sort of the more docile, sort of like palatable um uh, black person you know she's mixed-raced uh black and japanese so they were like um oh you know like she is she's not as angry as serena you know when they were matched up before and um uh, naomi is the one who's like playing the game correctly right and they're so shook that this black girl is like actually no I, i've got some shit to say too
0: right i just want to say also that in particular this last statement she released I mean she leaves you with no questions. She puts it all out there and I so appreciate the level of candor she puts down if you haven't read the statement. This person just rules. I didn't who had this level of maturity when they were this young. It's shocking.
1: Yeah, and you know, if, if people trying to, you know, say that her career is in danger after this. It's like she is so fucking talented and she is so beloved at this moment in time that uh I think you'll have a very hard time trying to quote unquote ruin um naomi's career over this i think there's some hard questions that need to be had about how we treat athletes to be honest and what we are what we allow to happen to them
0: i just want to also say is naomi the only cool biblical name
1: i don't know i like ruth
0: okay i mean that runs particularly old-fashioned you know what i'm saying yeah naomi has like a young edge somehow (laughs) yeah Yeah. If you can think of a cooler biblical name. Oh, uh, Mahershala, that counts. Mm, mm, but that's mm, that's specific uh,
1: to one person at, at this point in time. I always love to kick it with a bitch named Eve. <laughs> True. I the can think the original of one particular. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you mean
0: Eve Ensler, writer of the Vagina Monologues. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> who adopted Dylan McDermott? How strange. People don't know that.
1: Did she? Yeah, she's his adoptive mom. That wasn't in the vagina monologues. I know they left that out for some reason. Mm. Does she ever guest on The Practice? (laughs) Apparently not. It's wild. I feel like Eve Ensler should have been on The Practice or something. But I guess she wasn't just doing TV guest spots in the 90s. Which is what I feel I would be
0: doing (laughs) if if I were at that level. You know, Kenneth and Stacey (laughs) called me up. I've got the time.
1: Beyond the vagina monologues, Mm. there is. David E. Kelly. That's correct.
0: <laughs> we can rehash more Eves some other time. Yeah. Eve Arden, we speak your name. Mm. Mm. Yes. Uh, Eve Six. Uh, uh, open Road Song. Uh, you know who loved that? Straight Women in 2000.
1: Mm, they absolutely did. And uh, Eve the Raptress. Yes, Eve of Eve Feet Gwen Stefani and Gwen Stefani Feet Eve. Yes. Uh, who went by Shelley on her sitcom eve on upn right as you recall i didn't recall that you actually just called to mind a show i totally forgotten about yeah i love when actors star in a show um named after them but their character is named something else on the show oh sure yeah that is so confusing anyway uh we could talk about eve's all day unfortunately <laughs> I think it's time for this show to be over. (laughs) Yeah. Did we give you anything? I'm sorry if we didn't. Uh, Thank you to T.S. Madison for being here. Uh, We will see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. I think I've heard of him. Our editor is Bill Lance and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt Degroot. Nar Malconian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. Stay safe. Be blessed. God loves you. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible.